You're listening to the 90-10 rule. 90% business. 10% music. Today on the 90-10 rule, we discuss mixtapes, the art, and the commerce. But first, this. Till the truth starts to click There's so much space in this bed These sheets go for months Dreams of your smile I don't wanna be just a memory And I don't wanna feel your wings break free Because without you I'm lost in the breeze I gotta be strong now I gotta show you how I love you like I've never ever loved somebody I'll give you things you didn't even know you wanted Don't tell me that it's not enough My time is up, you're over us Cause I think I might do anything for you If you just let me If you just let me if you just let me Just let me the taste of your lips is still fresh And the smell of your scent How could I forget Your words, how they cut me to shreds But to tell you the truth Every piece is for you I don't wanna be just a memory And I don't wanna feel your wings break free Because without you I'm lost in the breeze I gotta be strong now I gotta show you how I love you Like I'm never ever loved somebody I think I might do anything for you If you just let me If you just let me if you just That was If You Let Me by Sinead Hartnett Here on the 90-10 Rule Just let me Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the 9010 Rule. As always, I'm Kevin Davis, and to my left, Mr. Brian Jennings. What's, What's up, on? brother? What's going on, Kev? How you doing, man? Very well. And to my right, uh, Miss Crystal Jordan. How you doing? I'm good. Hey, Kevin. Excellent. Good to have you. And uh, today's guest, somebody I'm actually, I'm really proud of that they uh, took some oh. time to come and join the show. Look mm-hmm. at her. She's already... <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Ty St. Louis, she is an author and journalist. Um, her book, The Art Behind the Tape, has uh, blown up all over everywhere, pretty much. Is that accurate to say? Sounds about right. Right. And in addition to uh, her podcast and uh, many other things that she's involved in, Ty, say hello yes. to the people, please. Hello, good people. How y'all doing tonight? Hello, 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 hello. 
<laughs> I would, now I have to say, for me as a, a publicist and, and fellow journalist, Ty is, is it, we would be remiss not to mention some of the amazing work that she has done um, as, hey, and actually being a real journalist. Like, I, that, you know, for me, that's a big deal. I know that we, you know, we embrace blogs and we embrace all this new media, but to have someone who's actually a real bona fide accredited, degreed <laughs> journalist <laughs> right. um, who actually has written, you know, actual pieces and, and, and nothing, no, no shade to the blogs, but it's just, it's, um, it's an honor to have someone that actually has that journalistic integrity. Ty has written for um, numerous magazines. She's really a hip hop journalist. She's, uh, she's someone that, that has um, told the story. I probably met Ty about, what, eight, nine years ago? Yeah. Uh, when I was working with independent artists and, and kind of craving that. Actually, probably when I was working for another agency. And then, um, you know, I've been able to watch her progress. And she's really been someone who, you know, has the integrity. She's not someone you can go to with fluff and get her to just put something down because you're cool. You know, you, it's got to be a project of substance. So, right. you know, it's, it's, a, it's an honor to have you here. And I'm excited for our listeners to be able to hear your perspective. Well, that, that gives Thank me a question. Thank you so much. That Thank gives you me a question so, right like, off the top. You guys top. are seriously making me blush. Because <laughs> I feel like uh, having been in this business since 99, mm-hmm in various different ways, sometimes it's very easy to lose sight of like what you've done. And so, you know, every once in a while, every every once in a while to sit back and kind of look at what you've done is just an amazing feeling. But better than that, bigger than that is to be able to teach somebody else something. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk to folks. And I'm even more happy that I get to do it with people that I like think are really dope as well. Oh, I have, I, have a, I have a question for Such you. Such a love fest tonight, you guys. Of course. Would you consider yourself to be hip hop first or journalist first? Um. Well, the interesting thing is, as far back as I can remember, I've always had a ton of books and a ton of records at my house. So I think I've always been both. Um. I probably started writing before I started listening to hip hop. Like I was the kid that when the, when the Berlin wall fell, like on my own, I was watching CNN and writing my own little reports and clipping clippings out of the Orlando Sentinel. So like, I guess the journalism came first, but um, I have a very, I feel a very, very strong attachment to hip hop and a strong um, urge to defend it at all costs, not just to defend the culture, but also to defend the fact that there are professionals within this culture. And just because I wear sneakers to work every day doesn't mean that I can't, that I'm not as professional as my counterparts working in any other field. So, you know, when, when Crystal mentions um, integrity, that's one of the things that I was lucky to learn at my time during my time at all hip hop that I try to carry everywhere with me. Yeah. We're talking about hip hop. A lot of times I'm interviewing my friends. A lot of times there's some um, colorful language, (laughs) but like, Learn to the proper structure of a freaking sentence. Like it's not going to kill you. Please, please. And, and actually, another another thing you bring up is, you know, you you've written for before, and I and I gotta say, these magazines are different today than they were before. Like the double XL of like late nineties 
you know, is much different than the double XL of today. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 you know, the, the ozone scratch, those type of magazines were at the, at the point that I met Ty there. And, and I didn't, before I met her, I remember seeing her byline, Ty St. Boogie. So I didn't know if it was a guy or a girl. And then you meet her and it's like, she's so serious about it. So I wonder, Ty, did, have, did you ever feel um, pressure being a female, you know, because a lot of the, a lot of your counterparts were male and you're, mm-hmm. you were writing, you know, when I met you um, specifically for hip hop and a lot of, you know, real uh, underground stuff. And then the, you know, the, 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 the artists that were bubbling in the South, but a lot of your peers were male right. and that language is a little bit different. So how was that working, you know, in those environments as a female? You know, I was lucky to be empowered by my mentors and my bosses, Um, And that's kind of always been my story. I think as far back as, you know, I started out doing street promotions in Miami, which is very much a guy's game. But, you know, was always lucky to have guys that went to bat for us. And it's unfortunate, I think, that as women, we kind of have to have guys go go to bat for us. But that's kind of what it takes. So when I started writing professionally, I started writing for allhiphop.com. I started out. Uh, doing features. And so I reported directly to Chuck Creekmer, who is one of the co-founders. And then I switched over to news and reported directly to the other co-founder, Greg Greg Watkins or Grouchy Greg, as the world knows them. (laughs) And they had my back. So they gave me the clout and the, the, the power to be able to walk into any room and commend as much respect as any of the other guys. So I don't think that I ever felt that pressure. Um, as a woman, I did feel always a sense of kind of just a sense of the awareness of the importance of me being professional. That's the pressure I think that we feel as women that guys don't necessarily feel. Because if I hang out in the studio until four o'clock, it looks different than if Kevin hangs out in the studio until four o'clock. If, you know, I go to to an artist's hotel room to do an interview, like I need y'all to know and I need to be very, very clear um, that nothing happened but the interview. And so that's the pressure that I think that I felt as a woman. That's real. That's real. I, 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 I totally, totally get that. And then what about just from the perspective of the artist, do you feel like um, you kind of have to do that on both sides? Because you want people that, that are working with you to know that you're serious. But then did you ever have, the, have to like check some of the artists? Like, no, I'm seriously just here to, to interview check, you. I've had to check people on both sides. Um, I've had to check and, you know, again, like this is going back to, I remember at 19, um, my business partner, DJ Bullet, who was down in Miami, she, she and I were very determined to like make a way for ourselves as women in this business. And I started out, I had a business card that said we were a public relations and promotions firm. I could tell you right now that I had read the intro to a book about PR and I was like, that's what I'm going to do. So I really didn't know, but we did, um, we did promotions and we were very serious about it. And so an opportunity came up for us to land a contract with like a big conference. And so I wrote up my little proposal, you know, I got fly, I went down to the meeting and I gave him my whole spiel. And his first question was about my chest. And I was 19. And I didn't know, like, it was like, is he serious? One. Two, if I cuss him out, do I lose the opportunity of getting this check? Three, do I want this check? Four, if I take this check, what do they think comes with it? So um, I think that 
just like I, you know, in any any arena, like people are going to try you. And unfortunately, and Crystal will tell you guys, unfortunately for us in this line of work, both in PR and in journalism, there are too many women who reinforce this stereotype or this idea that we're not really in it for the work, that we're not really here to work. And so, you know, I, I actually mentioned this to a friend of mine who who does um, some personal assistant work who had a situation like that with a client. And I said, you know, he's going to try this on somebody else and she's not going to know that she can say no or she's going to feel like she can't say no to the check. And so it's going to reinforce to him that you were the one that was in the wrong. So, you know, I've been called a bitch. Everybody thinks I'm super serious because I'm blind as a bat and I wear glasses, but it's really because, (laughs) like, my contacts are super expensive. Like, Kevin, to tell you, I'm a fool. (laughs) Like, I am a self-admitted sophisticated, like... (laughs) I love my hip hop, but, you know, I I also like grew up in Florida. So like I'm, you know, I'm a bass fan as well. Like I think it's um, I I I love to I love to recognize within myself the ability to just be kind of both be on both sides. So I'm a tomboy. I'll kiki and ha ha crack, you know. Colorful, you got for jokes. Lack of better words. Jokes oh, she got plenty of jokes. Like, don't get it twisted. She got jokes. But Don't cross that line. Many of folks have gotten cussed out. We'll still be cool afterwards. <laughs> right, Kev? Like, we'll still, we're still cool. Of course. Of course. We, always. We might have to have a side conversation. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it happens on both sides. And um, I think the, 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 the funniest experience that I've had with artists as a woman is I'll be sitting there with a guy— I have a radio show. I play new music on my show five days a week and I'm the operations manager at ABL Radio. Like, I can get your music played. And then, you know, like, after this amount of years in the business, if my Rolodex wasn't like some serious shit, I would be doing something wrong. So I have a certain amount of influence, I think. I get I can get some people to listen to your music that might not hear it otherwise. Right. But I'm never the one that gets approached with, you know, the CD. I'm never the one that gets approached with their spiels, try to get on or whatever. It's always like a beeline for the guys. And, you know, I've also noticed a lot that when we have conversation, when a woman is in this business is having a conversation with a man and another man walks up, they will interrupt that conversation without hesitation, without questioning what's going on, because clearly as a broad, you can't be talking about no money. Right. So right. Oh let God. me jump in Oof. with the Falcons. Let me jump in with whatever, whatever. You know, whatever right. business I've got going. But whatever I have to say as a man mm-hmm. is clearly more important than what you're saying as a woman. You just, That's been, I think, the, the, the most common experience that I've had. That's real. I'm sorry. Bef- I'm before Crystal and Ty get into oh a God. male bashing session. I'm, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm saying a man now. Like, let's not, like, I'm not that chick at all. Like, I love my brothers. Okay. I, was I, like, I could have bat for my brothers, but right. I will check you on that. Like, hey, you know, we were definitely talking about money. Now you fucking up his check. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, I want to ask about, you know, Atlanta is full of independent artists and brand new entrepreneurs. And I know that's something that's important to you. Tell us a little bit about why that's important to you, why those two, those two people are important to you. Um, the entrepreneurs are important to me because when I moved to Atlanta in 2004, I did it because I was in New York and I was, you know, which had money not been an issue, I probably would have never left. If I won the lotto tomorrow, the first piece of property I'm buying is in New York City somewhere. Um, but the reality of life was that as a, as a new freelance writer, like I I left New York in May of 2004, I think I wrote my first piece for all hip hop in like 
August of 2003. So the checks were, you know, they, they were small. Um, and I just figured that it would be better for me to be somewhere else and be able to travel back to New York and have a better quality of life, right? Because, um, you know, any writer will tell you that nothing gives you more writer's blog than being broke. Being broke makes you not want to write about anything. So I was like, all right, what, where can I relocate? At the time, I had an interest in music and sports. Atlanta had five sports teams. CNN is here, which I told you I've been on CNN since the 80s. Um, and I knew that the music business attention was shifting towards the South, for real. Like, beyond Outkast and Goody Mob, 03, 04 is when T.I. started to pop. It's when Jeezy started to pop. So I figured relocating to Atlanta would be the best career move because that was going to be the next spot. Um over the course of the last 12 years, while I've seen Atlanta's creatives, the, the artists and the producers really be able to command a certain amount of respect, the professional base has never gotten that. And so that's why the, the, the entrepreneurs are important to me, because I feel like it's been enough time that at this point we should be able to tell people that they got to come down here and see us. And if everybody if what's happening is that all the dope um creative professionals keep leaving. They keep going to LA, they keep going to New York. Um, you can get, you know, you get more respect as a writer if you're in New York or if you're in LA. Right now, I can tell you that all of the, and it's only like maybe seven of us that are like really accredited professional hip hop journalists in Atlanta. We all write for somebody that's based out of New York and it shouldn't be like that anymore. So that's, that's the, um, that's the, the value to me of like the entrepreneurs and the professionals in the creative space in entertainment in Atlanta. Um, on the artist side, it's kind of the same thing. Atlanta's popping, but we still have to get a New York okay before that Atlanta artist is validated in a way. Um, we get we get fooled into thinking that it's not like that because Atlanta is well, certain stations here are very good at supporting the local artists. And Atlanta, I don't want to sound like I'm bashing Atlanta any more than I was trying to sound like I'm bashing men, <laughs> but it's a lot of people that are huge in 285. Like they are superstars inside the perimeter. And so they feel like they don't need to do bigger than that. Right. Um, so back to, which ties it back to what I was saying before about the entrepreneurs, um, we have to support the local artists. We have to be able to say Nah, we can't let designer fly because it's been 15 guys out here doing this already that y'all passed up. But now because a guy from New York is doing it, we're going to take it. Like, And that's contrary to my social media feed. I don't have anything personally against designer. Like, I want to see everybody flourish. But when I saw him particularly pop off, I felt a way because I felt like I've been doing my radio show with ABL for a little under three— yeah, a little over two years. There's a lot of great talent here. Right. And it gets drowned out by, um, one, the absence of outlets for these artists between the radio stations and, you know, the blogs and the websites and all that. And two, because there's an overabundance of fake new um, <laughs> entrepreneurs who take all their budgets mm. and they don't ever get them anywhere. Mm. So... I feel like we have to kind of we have to create that culture that understands that I can't do my job without the artist, but the artist can't get to where they're trying to get to without me. It's a symbiotic thing and we have to take care of each other. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And so now Ty, I don't want us to get out of here without talking about this book because it did okay. it it blew up. Um last year I looked up and you were quaffing uh Wait, I'm <laughs> you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you were on fleek. I mean just just laid out, but but um just really proud of you guys and, and I think um, for writers to have their own, I guess, intellectual property is like the next step. And so yeah. I want you to talk a little bit about the book and what it meant, you know, starting to Atlanta, but then also just to, 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 to I'm not even going to say hip hop culture, I'm going to say pop culture, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how did, how did you guys come together? I know it was you and Maurice and DJ Mars. Um, how did and you guys, Brill. and yeah, how did you come together and decide to do this? And then um, tell us a little bit about the process. So the the book is the art behind the tape, and it's the first uh, coffee table book about the history of mixtape culture. It started out in like '09. DJ Mars had this idea to do uh, to do a, a book called The History of Mixtapes, and you know he got into the process. Um, for reasons unknown to me, kind of took a step back from it to to reorganize, and then. Um, Got with Brill, who is, uh, he works in the promotions marketing department at um, Radio One here in Atlanta. And they've worked together on a lot of things like they've, you know, um, with a lot of different brands. So they got back together in I, 2013, 2014 um, to relaunch the idea behind the book. Uh, when I saw it. I called them like they sent out a, you know, they sent out an email blast for the the GoFundMe, not GoFundMe, the um, it was before GoFundMe and now nobody remembers the name of it anymore. <laughs> uh, Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> so they launched a Kickstarter campaign. They had brought on Maurice Garland, who is, you know, by far, when I tell you those seven people that are like real life, actual journalists in Atlanta. Right. Maurice Absolutely. is probably at the top of that list. Absolutely. Um. So they got with him to help out with with the journalistic, the writing process of it. And so all of them being friends of mine, I sent them a text like literally on my Frank White shit like I Mm -hmm. want in. Okay, do you know how long I've been buying mixtapes? I know freestyles off of Clue mixtapes that have never been released to the point that um, Zane Lowe took one of those freestyles from a Clue mixtape that came out in like 98 and tried to re-release it last summer like it was some new shit. No, it's been out. It was on a mixtape. I want in, right? <laughs> so um, the process of it, we really create a list of probably about 80 people that we felt were influential to mixtape culture. And that ranged from, we lit, we interviewed somebody whose first mixtape was on an 8-track, and we took it all the way to today, li- literally on an A-track. Wow. And he wasn't even trying to make a mixtape. He was just trying to hear how he sounded in the club. Um, so we made this list. We sent out the emails. We did not get the response that you would think we got. And that's kind of the thing with hip-hop, right? Nobody really wants to be first. Like, you kind of want to see who else is on board. Right. Um, but, you know, the people that we did get were so dope and so vital to the culture to have... Um, Kid Capri himself tell us that this book is like the mixtape Bible to talk to Brucey e. B, to talk to, you know, the guy that was in charge of promotions at Bad Boy when Bad Boy became the company to really kind of start the idea of labels being able to do their own mixtapes, um, to hear the stories of how like DJ Envy and DJ Clue lived across the street from each other and like Envy had no idea that Clue was Clue because I was just his neighbor from across the street. Just to be able to get that kind of history and then to take it to um, Houston and be able to talk to those guys about 
what that culture was like. Because I think we got a, a look at it a little bit when a few artists from Houston got signed around 0506. But there's still a, a thriving culture out there with the mixtapes. Um, and I think that mixtapes kind of embody exactly what hip hop is. It was a bunch of people that started doing something and had no idea how big it was going to get. And so now to try to go back and document it becomes difficult because nobody knew that we were doing something so huge. And so nobody kept track of it for real. Um, so, you know, by the time it was all said and done, we had everybody in there from, like I said, from Gay Capri to DJ Drama. Um, we were able to talk to some of the artists that were really affected um, or who were whose careers were influenced by the mixtape movement. Um, and the book has shipped internationally. Um, like Crystal said, last summer, we were really lucky to have a lot of media people just find value. Once the book was finally out, once it was in our hands and it looks like a textbook and it's so dope, like even to me, um, we were able to, to just get a lot of people who were willing to let us share that story. So it's still, um, we're still moving copies of the book. Um, we're looking at ways that we can take that into some classrooms because like I said, it really does look like a textbook and there's so many other stories tied into it. And then Mars is also working on a documentary that would kind of pick up where the bit, where the book left off. Um, and now I have the bug to go and write some other stuff because Atlanta has stories, man. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Well, we want to make sure that um, since you have let everyone know that, that you can get their music on the radio, <laughs> we want to make sure that we get your contact information. How can people get in touch with you if they're interested, especially since we have a lot of new um, up-and-coming independent artists, if they want to submit their music, how do they do that? How do they get in touch with Miss Ty St. Boogie? So, um, I would say rule number one, because <laughs> I, I try not to hurt people's feelings, y'all. I really, really do. When you Listen start, when you show. start your contact list with rules, <laughs> like this, yeah, here's no, how you have to. <laughs> ask Crystal though. Back in the day, there used to be like books um, that were like listings of all the journalists in whatever that. field, yeah. and there were rules like this person doesn't like phone calls; they right. only accept yeah, pitches that. via fax. Like it's it's there's nothing wrong with you telling people the best way to reach you. Right, right. I'm just kidding. Like I, I just listen. If you're making the kind of music that I'm never going to play on a show, let's just save us both some time, right? <laughs> so listen to the show. Um, it's called The Download. It's on ablradio.com, uh, or you can download the ABL Radio app. It's on um, week Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. And you can hear the kind of music that we play. It's, you know, it, I, I love to support independence. If it's dope, I will play it. I will support it. I will fan out when I meet you. I will go to South By and go to all your shows and, and all that good stuff. If it's trash... Gonna go in the trash bin. Um, the email address to submit music is download on abl at gmail.com. And then I'm at St. Boogie on Twitter and Instagram. And should you find me on Facebook, don't send me a request there because I won't accept it. <laughs> She's so honest. You gotta love the honest journalistic <laughs> to the point. Like, I feel through. like Facebook is like my living room. You know what I mean? Right, like right. it's like Facebook is where I kick it with my friends, and that's where I go vent about all the other people. Y'all can't be on Facebook too. You know? <laughs> We want to thank you so much, uh, Ty, for taking time out of your schedule to talk to us and to kind of give us a little bit of history, um, mixtapes, and then just, you know, rap period and the, and the things that have gone on. We'll have to have you come back once you get uh, once you get yourself together and get the next pieces to come out um, that are yours. Definitely want to have you come back and talk. Or if you guys have something going on with ABL, 
that our listeners would enjoy, please. I got some stuff brewing. Okay. You know, you know I'm always mm-hmm. checking in with you to find out what's going on, what is happening. So, um, But we just want to thank you for being a guest here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we were talking about uh, trying to get you in here for a while, so I'm, I'm glad right. you, you showed up, man. This is what's up. Let me know. Anytime I can come back, I'm more than happy to do it. Of course, of Thanks course. Thanks a lot, Ty. Thank you. Have Thank a good you night. Thank you, guys. by Ro James here on the 9010 Rule. Hey, but Brian, so when's the last time you listened to a mixtape? Um, mixed, man, you know what? Actually, I listen to mixtapes mix a lot, but sometimes I just, I'll go on YouTube or something and put in like um, a certain mix, like um, Hip Hop Mix 2016, just to kind of get an idea of what people are putting together nowadays. Mm-hmm. They're not always good selections, but, you know, <laughs> it just keeps me kind of, I guess, kind of current on how the styles of DJs are changing because it's not the same as how mixtapes were when, you know, we were a little younger. Right. I mean, I think there's like the definition of mixtape has gone back and forth. Well, yeah, because it's kind of the street album, if you will, or right. then it becomes... There's that also, which well, is different, but the same. Yeah, because mm-hmm. everything kind of gets pushed into being a mixtape. If it's songs that didn't make the album, songs mm-hmm. that... Didn't get cleared um, You know Stuff like it, The administrative stuff Behind the scenes right. Sometimes Those records End up coming out And all of a sudden Yeah I got a mixtape But look though but look, 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, it's all to me, and I guess I'm always coming from that publicity pers- perspective. But it's it's promotion. You know, I know some athletes that were, you know, trying to put together a mixtape with different artists because they want to be in the in the industry. And I think mixtapes have all have always been a way to kind of introduce you to the artist in a in a um, I guess informal way. You know, because you don't have to worry about paying. Um, you can you can get on beats that are popular already to introduce yourself. I mean, I remember I had clients that we would come up with uh, angles, create a mixtape, and then you know we partner with DTLR or do something. It's it's a it's a great way to promote yourself and kind of introduce yourself to the public without the the red tape that it takes to go through. You know, with the actually putting a record out. What's, right. What's funny about that is that we all gave a different perspective of what a mixtape is just then. Right. And that's what I think we kind of need to we need to break that apart because I remember okay the very beginning to me what a mixtape was was you had a girl coming over. Uh oh. And you got <laughs> and you you selected the best slow cuts you had. You recorded them off the radio, mm-hmm. and you you know what I'm saying you it was baby making music is what you're talking about. Basically, yeah. you put them all on one tape, right? Right. That, that's the to me that's the original mixtape. That was so, a mixtape. So wait, so yeah. slow jams. So, it was so the slow jam yeah. tape. Yeah, is the precursor to all mixtapes. I believe it has so. evolved from the slow jam tape. I believe that was hit tape. That, I believe that's what it was. So so that yeah. was all artists that didn't even know they were going to be on a tape together. <laughs> but from there, I think it, it moved to um, where DJs wanted to have, instead of you having to come to the party, I'm going to bring the party to you, wherever, mm-hmm. your, wherever your Walkman is, wherever your you know, yeah. Discman is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to record myself putting my show together, and now you can take that with you. That energy with you. Anywhere yeah, you right. go. And then that developed into being a really, really big thing, What, what is what Ty was talking about with our book. I think that's where they came in on it. But then what you and Crystal were talking about happened where artists that either one couldn't afford to get or couldn't afford to put their music out in a big in a big way or get signed to a label said, you know what, I'm going to put my album out. I mean, Drake is a per- Drake is the the perfect example of that. I mean, it was a real album. Though. It was a real album. It was it, it, it was nominated for a Grammy. Right. <laughs> His mixtape was nominated for a Grammy. Right. And that was the introduction to I mean, the song I'm. I would love for well probably it's not so his best not. song now but the best I never the best I ever had so was bad, yeah. probably like his biggest song up until as of recent and it was on a mixtape mm-hmm. you know I don't know what happened where mixtapes became like they started to rival albums for a while like right. the 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 mixtape was more popping than the album Future it still is yeah. Right. But at the same time I think that that drove music down the quality of music got driven down. By the mixtape as well That's not all positive Everything wasn't positive With the mixtape Hey but you I can't blame it On the mixtape I have to blame it On the artist That put out that mixtape Okay And I'm gonna say <laughs> and here's, here's my reason Behind that okay. Right Because In putting together and, and Artists know What I'm talking about Engineers and producers They know what I'm talking about In putting together An album There is a A, a cohesive There's a linear Path That you're taking There's a uh, idea that you're trying to fully develop. There's a story that you're trying to tell, right? right? Where albums like Ready to Die mm-hmm. or Doggy Style mm-hmm. or The Chronic, those albums, even uh, I'm think like one of my favorites, Red Man, Muddy Waters. Mm-hmm. From front to back, it was an album that you could listen to, like you could press play right. and you wouldn't have to touch it, right? Right. right? And it was in between the songs, there was so much personality and so much right. energy that was going on that, that really sucked you in mm-hmm. and made you feel like you were a part of that artist's world. Right. Where, and that 
really is supposed to be an album, but I don't think a lot of people, a lot of people don't catch on to that. They just started putting together, like, I think there's the old way of doing an album, like, mm-hmm. where it's just songs and no interludes, no anything in between. Well, that I think that, to me, that happened because we, we, we moved from being an album-generated, you know, industry to being a single-generated industry. So when you have labels saying, we're going to test this single, and then if the single does well, we're going to go back and record some more. There are some artists that have singles out that don't even have the rest of their album done. So how can you get a <laughs> cohesive piece of work yeah. when all you have out is a single and they're trying to test that single and see if it works? And then what if it does work? Okay, let's do a follow-up single. And then, I mean, you know, that is to me what changed because before it was, you know, about making something that felt consistent and had, like you said, from start to finish. But now we're just, okay, well, let's put out part A and test it. And then if it works, we're going to circle back a year later and work on B, C, and D. And it's like, there's no, there's no chemistry. You know, there's no, yeah. there's no continuity there. So I think it, 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 that also changed. And that's why, you know, mixtapes kind of became the filler because the, the record label is not going to put my album out. I have music. Artists are very mm-hmm. impatient. And I'm going to put the music out. Illegally. You know? And I don't know. I don't think most people realize that mixtapes are illegal. Well, I think that um, the affiliates... Uh, there was a whole thing with DJ Drama and shout out Drama. <laughs> shout out to DJ Drama and Canon and Sense. Um, but that was a whole thing. They right. actually came, froze <laughs> all their assets, and arrested them. And I think they used them as, you know, oh, they definitely, they definitely made an example, made an example out of them because this happened to no one else. No, but they were. But DJ Drama was the biggest thing in mixtapes at that yeah, time. You was. know, he re- yeah. he changed careers. I mean, Jeezy's career, right? Ti's career, you know, changed. To me, Jeezy probably had the biggest. Career change from mixtape, you know, but that might have been due to proximity, though. It was just he was here; it was the right time, you know. There was everything was working yeah, together. Atlanta was yeah. it could have been Atlanta anybody. Was just the idea was right was brilliant, so it right. could have been anybody. But I'm talking not necessarily legal, illegal from the law perspective. I'm talking about as far as contracts go. So an artist is signed to Universal mm-hmm. does not have permission to go out and drop a mixtape. So Diddy didn't have a permission to drop that mixtape. He did <laughs> any mixtape you do that's not label sanctioned. Which wouldn't be a mixtape is illegal to your contract. It's a well, breach of your contract. But I think there's there's loopholes in that because Future Epic is well aware. In fact, Epic needs to be thankful that Future continues to Man. drop mixtapes because yeah, if he I didn't, agree. their albums, Future's albums, would not sell. I agree. So I don't. I you know there there must be some, and he's obviously not doing them illegally because they are, you know, all but you know clapping, <laughs> you know, and praising him. But um, I think that. Contracts, even the way we do business with artists has changed so much. With the 360 deals, artists aren't able to really make recoup money off their album sales anyway. Right. So they have to do different things. And if, if a mixtape, if putting out a mixtape and get you a hot single popping in the club, which can get you club dates, I can't wait on the I can't wait on the label to that get with it. Doesn't benefit the label in some sense. Some sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because you know that there. I mean, there's. I can think of a, a few different instances where the single that's on the radio that's super hot and popping is not on the album, and nobody's buying the album still. Yeah, they just, right. They, they they'll support or the, the version artist. that's on the album is whack. Or if you buy the album, you disappointed. Like, hey, where was the? <laughs> Do you guys remember um, Young Jock situation with Bad Boy? When he was doing the whole, uh, what was oh it? yeah, 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 he put out that mixtape and they tried yeah. to shut him down for yeah. it. Like it, it's not yeah. always happy. Well, That's you true. know, it depends on who you're dealing with, man, and who you are as an artist, right? 
Um, Shout out Jock Do you remember the summer When um, Lil Wayne dropped Like 70 songs Or something mm-hmm. Throughout He was on He was on features He was on mixtapes I think it was around The drought season time mm-hmm. During that period See I think what Messed everything up was Lil Wayne came out And did so many songs All summer long Everybody else felt like We got to play catch up So a lot of these artists Especially independent ones Say well damn If they're putting out This much material We got to put some content out too So what they kept doing was We're going to drop music We're gonna, And the thing what Chris was talking about We're just putting out Single, 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 singles Nobody's dealing with one producer Like back in the day There was one producer Who did your album Now you got a song That you found on SoundClick And a song you downloaded From YouTube And a song somebody sent you A producer from Toronto And you got all this, this It's just All this stuff mashed together Right And your mixtape Ends up being that. And you know what? It's, it's, it's a weird dynamic because as much as mixtapes were being used to help sell the show, the, the live show mm-hmm. and the album, that amount of songs being released also flooded the market and ran the value of the music straight into the ground. Because there's so much. There's, why do I have to yeah. pay for music? Because it's everywhere. That's true. That's true, but- it was different when Master P was putting 25 <laughs> songs on an album. You still had to buy it. Right. Only you still are, had to buy only, it. Only but two if I were good. Get, hey, two were good. But you still had, but people that love Master P and right. No Limit still had to pay $13 for that album. Right. And they looked at it as, oh, I'm getting more for my money. But when it became a mixtape and those weren't sold in stores, right. now I'm getting 30 songs for, <laughs> for 10 bucks at the gas station, maybe. Or actually, True, true, but sometimes, but I still think I still think they're used. For example, I go, I get mixtapes now for at the gas station because they usually have the new stuff that hasn't come out yet. Labels are labels are still using mixtapes in a roundabout the way fashion to get to test things out, mm-hmm. right? right? So for promo use. Yeah, promo air use. Quotes. Air quotes cr- promo use. So we, you know, I don't know how come the gas station is charging 5.99 <laughs> or 6.99, but like the new there's a there's a, a artist named Yuna that has a record that 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 record called Cross Feature Usher, dope, dope record. Dope record, very dope. Dope record. As a matter of like, fact, it's my favorite Usher song. I was going to say that it's my favorite Usher song in the last like 5 years. Right. However, the song was on mixtapes out, you know, a year ago. You know, so I think that sometimes it kind of sets the pace because it's a good way to test. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm all for that. Like, I think music has the the value of music has gone down, but that's not just due to mu- mixtapes. That's also due to the way that labels put out rec- out albums. Like, artists have to run catch up. You know, you got to put out an album every year. You guys remember when we were growing up. Your favorite artist put out an album every what two or three years, right? And if you, that. And you yeah. would play that album where you for could two tour. Or three years, you right. could tour for two and a half. You years. You could. Right. Now Rihanna has got to hurry up and release another single, right? Or uh, somebody is is on her They're back, squeezing like, the spot. Yeah, you can't. You can't. And and then not only that, in between the albums, they're putting out singles like Beyonce. You know, they, there's. It's just, but I think mixtapes is a is definitely a part of that. But I think there also was a place for it in promotions because now you have to test songs. Like if I was at a label, I would never put out a, a, an album single without testing it and making sure there's going to be because you lose so much. I would. I, yeah. I think I'm different. I would. I think that I would go the other route. I remember. I remember telling some artists that um. They were very popular on Instagram and, you know, social media. Hey, why don't y'all sit down somewhere for a little while? Like, 
every, you're too available. There, I think that all that the mixtape, the, the the idea that you were just that you just brought up, Crystal, it ruined the superstar, killed it. There's no chance right. for superstars anymore because there's no. There's no, they're not anonymous at all. They're all right here in front of you. There's no mystery. There's nothing that's, we don't know right now. I remember hearing something one time that was, it was a great point too, that you had, in order to see your favorite artist back in the day, you had to buy the album, look at the album cover. Like you right, rarely right, ever right. got to see your favorite artist. I do artist. miss that. I actually, I do it's miss that. But we're overexposed. I miss, <laughs> I miss opening the plastic and flipping through. Like I was that right. kid that used to skim the credits. And, Especially and, Ohio players out. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, that's, that's a little before me. Even though I'm from Ohio, me we too. rep. Come but, on now. Right. Yeah, that's a little before. That's my daddy music. <laughs> right, but, but you still wanted to see the album cover. Hell yeah. Exactly. Oh, you seen Ohio players covers? <laughs> exactly. Go on Obviously, the, y'all go on the talking internet, about y'all. some extra stuff. That's, you never that's, seen uh, none of them? I've seen them. Honey? I've seen them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've yeah. seen it. Uh-huh. My favorite album was the Thriller with the Michael Jackson and the, and yeah, the, um, cool. and the, the Tiger Cub. <laughs> you said, no, let, let's not sweet. Let the silence happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> for, for dramatic effect. Hey, but did you see her face? How you put her lips together all tight? She was proud of that one. Right. And she knew she was going to get hell, too. That's why she did that. With I knew tiger cub. I could feel it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. You, the, It was the pictures. And then even that's the only, you got a little bit of the artist's personalities. I remember looking at my new edition. Right. And I could see where, you know, this is what Ronnie DeVoe said. So this was, you know, exciting. And, but and that's the, and all. And then what you do? You went and bought a right on. I you did. You got the fold out poster. poster. Right but that's on. it. There was nowhere else you could there get There was no social media. Access. There was no yeah. social media. So, how? okay, I'm just going to ask you guys how you feel about it. Okay, so we all know that that's the way that it is. And now it's overexposed. How would you guys feel if an artist didn't do all that and went the opposite direction? Do you think it's possible to be successful that way? Absolutely. And I, artists are doing it right now. Okay. Give me some examples of, of somebody that you like, somebody you like that's doing that successfully. J. Cole. Okay. Uh, his tour was one of the most successful. The album is double platinum. He didn't have any uh, features or anything like that. But, and he's not like active on social media. He's not. He's not, yeah. he's not hugely, he's not posting on Instagram and, and, you know, showing off his cars and stuff like that. He's just himself. He kind of stands more on his body of work. Right, which right. I think is dope, and I wish more artists would do so. But I don't know when you're trying to. Everyone, it, it seems like everyone has this, yeah. That in that sense of urgency, it's I have to, I have to put something out there. I have to do it, not because it's something that I care about, but because if I don't say something or if I don't make sure that I'm seen, I'm irrelevant. Then everyone's going to forget me. Right. But you know what? That's not true, though, because I can point out um, the biggest stars that we still have. You know, like if you if you think about Hollywood and you think about or even even, um, you know, certain celebrities that no matter how long they haven't put out a record, Mariah Carey is still an ultra, you know, celebrity. You know, Holly Berry is huge. Holly Berry is not on social media. Denzel Washington is not on social media. No, Uh, Brad Pitt, like the big. People that have those big careers, you you only have to do what what your talent won't allow for, right? Yeah. So I think that that artists that are truly relying on their music and true, like they're, I'm always for people doing social media, but but you don't have to do as much, and you don't have to do as you don't have to do as many things to many hype related things if more. you really have if you really have the talent to yeah. back it up. 
Because I mean, think about it. There are there are actual actual casting directors that are putting people in movies and picking songs to go on soundtracks, loving hip hop and things like that, based on an artist's social media following. But if it's just a really good, I, I don't know who the hell Yuna is, but right. I love her now. Now I'm right. gonna check for her because this, it was an amazing record. So you let, know? Me ask, let me ask you this then. So the um, conversation I had with this group that I was telling to you know sit down somewhere. They felt like their fans really loved how approachable they were and how down to earth and how much they knew about them. So in your in your opinion, as a publicist, mm-hmm. do you feel like it's necessary for the fans to know we eat at Waffle House every night? No, I think that that that, that person can say that because that's their experience right now. But when the fans turn on you, which they will, the more information you give <laughs> oh <my> them, right. <laughs> the more information you give them, the more fodder they have to turn on you because it's just human nature, right. you know? Um, they're, they're always, you know, I, I want Beyonce to do this, but as soon as Beyonce cuts her hair a different way, right. oh my God, look at Beyonce's bangs. You know what I mean? So fans, yes, it's great when, when you're doing what they want you to do, but it's a very fickle thing. And sometimes... You know, I was t- actually. It's it's funny. I'll I'll give a personal example. I'm you know, Chili. I represent Chili and and uh, from TLC. And she said she was upset about some information that People Magazine got wrong today. And I said, you know, she's like, well, can you please call and tell them that's not true, and tell them that that's not the case. And, that, and I said, well, if we do that every single time, right. you know, it's it's it, because they said something nice, and then the next time they say something negative. So the press kind of follows general consumption, you know, so people are going to like you sometimes and they're not going to like you at other times. So right. the more information you give them means the more information they have to decide if they like what you're doing with your life. So I think less is more, you know. And you know what, matter of fact, because, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think that this this desire or or need to be, be seen all the time, mm-hmm. is, it, it's like a phenomenon that's only in music because I don't hear like actors. I don't oh, hear no, actors that everywhere. are doing movies that are like, yeah, I got to go do some short films so I can stay relevant. <laughs> so we're right, not, right, not going right. to talk about Tyrese then? That's, we're not talking oh, about him? Oh my goodness. Can we? Can we please? <laughs> Tyrese is active on social media. Tyrese. And then some. Uh, yeah, exactly. Tyrese <laughs> But he, he's the, like, as far as, as visual, visual, Tyrese and Kevin Hart are the only ones yeah. that those I are see two on social media. Great examples <laughs> <laughs> for what we want. We want Tyrese. I personally want Tyrese to get off social media and shut up. I don't. I love it. I think. Do you? I think. You know why I love he's it? Because so it's a train wreck. I think it, it is. It is. He thinks he's so intelligent. It's hit or, it's hit or miss, and it's very hit or miss. <laughs> It's very hit. <laughs> it's very hit. So those are my three options there? It's hit or miss or very hit <laughs> or miss. It's, it's a miss, I think. No, but but I mean, that's entertainment. I'm not really sure who his branding person is. but It's him. I think okay. it's just him. Okay. I think he's doing it. Okay. <laughs> but I, I think that um, he's a perfect example of somebody that probably needs to do a little bit more strategy. <laughs> you know, think a little bit more strategic when, the, when it comes to <laughs> social media. Sh- so there are those people who are out there doing acting mixtapes. Well, because, yeah, I, I guess so. Because people are trying to use their social media uh, equity. As a platform for well, foolishness. Right, but also to leverage into TV shows right. and, you know, no, other No, you're things. right. There, there are, I think that there are, and I'm not going to name the names because we can't get too personal. I don't care about the Tyrese, but but there are people that have... <laughs> <laughs> that just means somebody is coming close to home. We right. Know, we no, know. I mean, there are, there are reality... Personalities. I'm not going to call them stars. Right. Reality personalities that have that have vied for 
another show or for the opportunity to get on, you know, uh, uh, to be a part of a, a new series based on their shenanigans on social media. Like that, that is a very real thing. Yeah. So doing webisodes or doing um, Facebook, oh my God, Facebook Live chats right. or things. This is the door. Yeah. This is something that people are using and it actually is working. I mean, yeah. the girl Cardi B that is on Love and Hip Hop now, which I think she's hilarious. I love her. But one of the main reasons that people thought she was a great fit was because she, she had this fine. huge oh. social media following. I mean, she's a stripper. I don't, I, I would assume that comes with the title of being fine, but she, uh, all strippers are not all fine. Strippers are not fine. But all strippers are not created equal. Forty dollars, <laughs> right? <laughs> all strippers are not created equal. I just learned something. Today. That's so, hilarious. I'm not even going to get into strippers on this show. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so okay. So what about Kevin Hart? I, we didn't mention him earlier. I remember what well, maybe two movies ago, not Central Intelligence, the movie that was before that though. Was it Ride Along Two? It may have been or one of the Ride Along movies where he was getting in trouble with the studio. Because he was like, no, I'm not shouting out on my social media. I got such and such million followers. Mm -hmm. And if that wasn't in our contract, I'll do all your radio morning shows. I'll do right. all, I'll go around the country. But social media, I've built that up myself. If you want to do that, we need to renegotiate my price. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there is value to being visible. There is. But if you don't have a strategy, I think he has a strategy and it's a winning one. Right. He, I mean, his, and his brand allows for that. Foolishness. So I mean, he can he can overexpose himself, but he's a comedian, so he's got a lot of more wiggle room than you know someone who's Cardi B. Because well, she's got a lot of wiggle. Yeah, well, yeah. that's the different conversation. <laughs> However, um, I think that people well in she social can, media she can stop and it keeps wiggling. Right. He couldn't leave it alone. But, could he? <laughs> hey man, you was talking about we almost talked about strippers a second ago, and I'm. <laughs> See, I was trying to say something and keep it music related. Y'all messing with me. Is it like 90% booty, 10% waist? <laughs> something like that. <laughs> 90 I, Is that the ratio? You know what? I think this is about it for this night. <laughs> the 90-10 rule is going in a total different direction tonight. Oh, God. I'm trying to keep us We're on track. Come on, guys. Social media, music. <laughs> Hello. Well, I think what I was going to say a second ago was something to the effect of people burning out their 15 minutes too quickly. And right. I think Kevin Hart has done that. I'm full. I don't. I mean, that's just me personally. I no offense, but I'm I'm kind of full of that. And I wish he wasn't so on social media. Well, he got fifty. Well, Kevin Hart does fifty movies in fifty two weeks. <laughs> yeah, you probably. Yeah, you probably tired of seeing him. Like my dad is tired of hearing Drake. But he don't want to hear Drake. But, Why is your daddy hearing Drake? <laughs> Everybody hears Drake now. Well, right. but where is he at that he's hearing Drake all the time? Everywhere. You Drake can turn off everywhere. your radio and you can not... You don't no, Drake is on title. TV. Oh, wow. But look, though, no, but, okay, so Kevin Hart did 50 movies in 52 weeks, but I think that's a direct... That is a byproduct of how visible he's on social media. So it's not a lose. It's a win for him. I think it, I think it goes both. I think it's like it's a which came first, the chicken or the egg. Right. Because I think that he is... He is banking on overexposure. And the, the ironic thing is I remember a conversation I had with Brian... Like four years ago where, because I'm a huge Beyonce fan. I'm not a stan, but I'm a huge, I'm, I'm a fan to the 10th power. You're a fan of Beyonce and you, you don't like Jay-Z though. That's weird. I do like Jay-Z. Uh, I do. You don't like his music that much. I do. I, mm. I okay. like Jay-Z. But, but you said you were full. You said you were pushing away from the Beyonce table. I was. You were, you were, you were full. I think, no, I'm, I, this is how full I am. Dangerously in Love was the last good Beyonce album. 
was the first. Was that the first? See, I'm I'm a man, and I'm like, man, he's doing a bit much. Yeah, no, no, seriously. Even Kevin wants to. I'm in the beehive. The whole he's in the beehive. I'm another one. There's a small group of heterosexual men there, but we there, you know. We still checking the 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 backstory on that though. Hey man, I swear to God, I saw y'all not gonna believe me. Right off of 285, man, over there by perimeter, I seen a dude in the car by himself with the windows down, smoking a blunt, and I know it was a blunt because I could smell it, right? But he was listening to Beyonce and jamming. Well, I will tell you this. I have a friend who is very masculine. Listen, just hear me out. Mm -hmm. And he he was telling me that on his way to work, he's a blue-collar worker. I mean, he's the epitome of... Down masculinity. Low? Oh. No. And so there's Beyonce has the song, I put my love on top. Right. And he said, he said, Crystal, he said, I enjoy nah. that song. He said, he said, I do it. It puts me in a good mood. I'm on my way to work. And I just I said, now do you do the little dance with it? He was like, No, you're going too far. He but do the he ring enjoys, dance, the little ring thing. No, he said he enjoys the song. I right. think that there's certain certain artists that men feel Mm-mm. a certain sense of, I guess, their masculinity is being checked if they enjoy it. But I know you enjoy Beyonce. Now, Beyonce is dope because do. we want because that's what we want to hear women say. Uh, but you can't live up to that. Death to side chicks? I don't think Beyonce can, can live up to what Beyonce says. Well, she's doing it. She's doing it right now. I don't know, man, but Beyonce makes me feel like Jay-Z has a great life. <laughs> well, this last album shouldn't have made you feel like that. She said, big homie better grow up or you're going to lose your wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, nobody listens to that. Every relationship has issues. I ain't, I ain't worried about that. She nobody got to listen to that album. Jay-Z. Hey, she ain't Beyonce go nowhere. Beyonce checked the shit out she of Jay-Z. Ain't, no, she did that shit for y'all. That album is hiding. She did nobody that shit for it. y'all. That album is hiding, isn't it? Nobody's even heard it. It came out on HBO it, for one day, <laughs> and then where'd it go? It's on. It's on the radio. It's, Beyonce got in sorry. front of all them women and said, "Yeah, Jay, I ain't taking that shit." <laughs> and then she went back to him and said, "Was that good, baby?" <laughs> right. Okay, good, good, good. All I know I is that Beyonce checked the shit out of Jay Z on through twelve songs, <laughs> and he has nothing to say except my wife Beyonce. <laughs> I brag different, so I don't know. I, women talking bad about men sells okay. records, right? Jay-Z couldn't come out talking bad about Beyonce and think that those records are going to sell. It's not going to happen. Every female and gay male in America would rise up in angst against his ass. So, yeah. And that guy smoking a blunt in the car and your masculine down low friend. (laughs) My friend is not down low. He just enjoys good music. Sure. Listen. You tried him though with the dance though. You tried him. I did. I, um, I, thought this was, I thought that was hilarious that he was on his way to his construction job listening to Love on Top. But I mean, it's good music. Well, Love on Top is questionable. So, uh, Kevin, what? After this show, we're gonna pull hey. it up. It's more like Love on Bottom. Anyway, <laughs> listeners, we appreciate you tuning in once again <laughs> to the ninety ten rule. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Peace. Visit us at the ninety ten rule dot com. That's 9010rule.com.